Welcome to the Bedford Alliance Church Bible Reading Plan Podcast. I'm Luke Cugino, your discipleship pastor and host. This podcast follows along with our church-wide reading plan, which walks you through the entire New Testament and gives you an overview of the Old Testament. Join us as we dive into God's life-changing Word together. Hello and welcome back to another podcast episode. Today's topic of discussion is Second Peter. Now last week we introed and, and kind of gave an overview of First Peter, so make sure you go back and listen to that if you have not done that. We also gave a little bit of an intro to Peter himself, so again, make sure you go back and listen to that. In Second Peter, Peter is, is most likely writing to the same network of churches as he did before in his first letter. Now, how do we know that? Well, chapter 3, verse 1 of 2 Peter says, this is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. Okay, so more than likely, he's writing to the same network of churches that we talked about before in, in Asia Minor. And a lot like Paul, when he wrote 2 Timothy, Peter knows he's dying soon. Because in chapter 1, verse 14, he says, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. Okay, so he knows his time is limited. He doesn't have much longer. And last week, as we said, Peter is writing to encourage Christians who are being persecuted, who are, who are suffering. And we said that suffering is, is part of being a believer in Christ. Jesus himself was unjustly persecuted and murdered. And guess what? So was Peter. Church tradition tells us, now this, this isn't in scripture, okay, this is just tradition, so we don't know if all of these details are correct, but church tradition tells us that Peter was crucified upside down in Rome. It's said that because Peter had denied Jesus, he didn't consider himself worthy to die in the same way as his Lord, so he requested that he be crucified on an inverted cross. Now, again, we don't know that for sure. We don't know if all those details are true. But John 21, verses 18 and 19 does say this. This is Jesus talking to Peter. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Then it says this. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. So it seems that Jesus foretold that Peter was going to be crucified, that he was going to die by crucifixion. So again, we don't know all the details of his death for sure, but it seems likely that he was crucified, that he did die in this way. And he was most likely killed in the mid-60s AD under Emperor Nero's reign. So obviously Peter would have had to write this letter, just before that, so this letter probably dates to about 64 to, to maybe 67 AD. Now, just, just a general summary of this letter. There are some false teachers infiltrating these churches that, that Peter's writing to, and we don't know exactly everything they were teaching, but Peter makes it clear that these teachers were immoral, they were greedy, they were spreading destructive heresies, as Peter says. They were twisting the gospel. They were even denying Jesus. And Peter warns his readers, many will follow their depraved ways. Many people are going to follow these false teachers. And the, and the way of truth will be maligned because of them. 
So he's saying many will fall for their teachings. And Peter implores the churches. Remember, he knows he's going to die soon. So he's, he's trying to remind them of some key things. He wants them to have his teaching with them. He wants it to be preserved for future generations. He implores the churches to continue to grow in their faith so that they can stand strong against these false teachers and the false doctrines. Okay, that's, that's really chapter 1. That's what chapter 1 is about. Chapter 2 is where he addresses these, these false teachers in, in more detail. And then chapter 3 talks about how Jesus' second coming should motivate us to live holy lives now. Okay, now, getting into some more details, I, w- I want to make a couple of, of points here. First of all, in, in talking about growing in faith, Peter says this in chapter 1, verse 3. He says, His divine power, God's divine power, has given us everything required for life and godliness. God has given us everything we need to grow spiritually. And he, he goes on later to talk about the importance of God's word and, and his spirit and his people. He talks about that later on. We have to understand that we can't take any credit. God is the one who saves us. And he's the one who provides the, the way for us to grow. Okay, so we don't get any of the glory in this. But look at what Peter says in verse 5. Okay, again, this is chapter 1. He says, make every effort to supplement your faith. And then he goes on to list eight different virtues. Okay, so yes, we are saved by God's grace And his grace paves the way for us to be able to grow spiritually. But he says, make every effort. Grace doesn't preclude strenuous effort on our part. We still have a part to play in growing to be more like Christ. There's a sense in which we have to take ownership. So I want to challenge you. As you're listening to this, as you're reading through 2 Peter this week, if you're not growing spiritually, how can you take ownership? Are you prioritizing spending time in the Word today? Are you taking advantage of of resources to help you better understand the Word? Are Are you seeking out other people to be in community with and to help hold you accountable and to help you grow? Are you using your spiritual gifts? Are you investing in others? And, and just being honest, oftentimes we grow when we have to. There's a sense in which we're never going to feel ready to invest in other people or share our faith with other people. But sometimes we have to just take a leap of faith and trust God. And when we do that, we often find that we'll grow more than we ever expected. Sometimes we just have to take a chance and just take a leap and trust God. So are you taking ownership in these ways? Are are you prioritizing prayer in your life? These, These are all just examples. Or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Understand, it's easy to just be a spectator. To, you know, show up on Sunday mornings, go home, Maybe you voice your opinions about how you would do things differently in the church and, and then you, you move on. You're just, you're just a spectator. But Christianity isn't a spectator sport. I want to challenge you. It's time for us all to get on the field. Okay, so what's one step that you can take to deepen your walk with Christ this week?
What is one way that you can take ownership of your faith? As Peter says here, make every effort. Let's let's do that. Of course, it is only through God's grace that we are saved and that we can grow. But when it comes to growing deeper, there's a part that we have to play. So how can you take ownership? What's one practical step that you can take this week? And I want to challenge you, if you're in a D group, I want to challenge you to bring this up in your group so that you can help hold each other accountable in taking this practical step. Now, the next point is, I want to talk a little bit about eternity here. Now, we mentioned this a little bit last week. We talked about it briefly with 1 Peter. But in, in 2 Peter, Peter says that scoffers are going to come. And they're going to say, you know what, Jesus, he's never coming back. How many years has it been now? And they were already making fun of Christians in Peter's day. And it had only been 30 years since Jesus had died. Think about now. How much, how much worse is it now? There are always going to be scoffers. But he says this in chapter 3, verse 8. Dear friends, don't overlook this one fact. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years. In a thousand years like one day, the Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. So a couple things here to think about. First, time has no effect on God. Do you ever think about that? Are, are you ever just amazed by who God is? Does he ever just blow you away? Think about that. God is outside of time. Time is a, it's a creation, just like everything else, just like all of matter. Time is a created thing. So time has no effect on God. He sees all of time at once. Try to wrap your mind around that. But also take comfort in that. Understand God isn't delaying Jesus' second coming for no reason. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's giving time for people to repent and turn to him. This is just another display of God's grace. God is in control. But I want to read on here. This is in chapter 3, again, starting in in verse 10, going through about verse 13. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar. And the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So what's he saying here? Well, the world as we know it, will be destroyed. And God will usher in one day a new heaven and a new earth. Now, Peter's not concerned here with exact timelines and all the details of how this is going to work. And I don't think you need to be overly concerned with those things either. But notice what he says. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, since the world as we know it is going to be destroyed, what sort of people ought you to be? in lives of holiness and godliness. His point is this. An eternal perspective changes how we live now. I don't think we think about eternity enough as Christians. 
I don't know about you, but it, it's so easy to get wrapped up in in the news and the day-to-day grind, working, paying bills, distractions. We we look at the world around us. We tend to look at the world around us and, and worry just as much as everybody else, just as much as the rest of the world. But here's the reality. We get, what, maybe 70, 80, 90 years on this earth? And then we're ushered into eternity. Does it make sense for us to live for only these few years that we have on this earth? Are we supposed to just you know, save up and, and prepare for retirement and live it up in retirement? And by the way, I, I'm not saying in any way that saving and planning for retirement are bad things. Those are good things. Those are wise things to do. But it, it makes no sense to just spend all of our lives living for a, a few short years here on this earth. Let's, let's live like we know that after a few short years here, however much time we have, even if, the reality is even if we have a long time in human terms on this earth, it's still going to go quickly. So let's live like we know that after a few short years, we're going to spend all of eternity in God's presence on a new earth where sin and death are no more. Pain is no more. Disease is no more. Crying is no more. And goodbyes are no more. That's the perspective that Peter had. That's the perspective Paul had too. We've talked about this before. That's what kept them strong. Even as they suffered and were ultimately martyred. And an eternal perspective is what we need to. It changes everything. Eternity should shape every decision that we make. So let's live for what counts. Let's make eternal investments. This world is not our home. We're only passing through. We're just exiles, as Peter said in 1 Peter. Let's live for what counts and let's take as many people with us as we can. So as you read through 2 Peter, I want to challenge you to think. In light of eternity... In light of the fact that after a few short years here on earth, we are going to spend all of eternity in God's presence on a new heaven and a new earth, how can you take ownership of your faith right now? What is one thing that you can do right now to invest in eternity? Or maybe who is one person you can call or or talk to or, or invest in or help out or share your faith with? Who's one person? How can we today make our lives count for what matters? Remember, Peter was on death's doorstep when he wrote this. The reality is, we never know how long we have on this earth. And like I said, even if we have a long time in human terms, it's still going to go quickly regardless. In light of eternity, even 90, 100 years is nothing. So don't waste your life on the things of this world. Let's live our daily lives in light of eternity. And that is what Second Peter is all about. <music>